so good to have you here. Uh, we are so blessed to be able to worship this morning, to worship the God of the universe, and there is nothing better than that. Amen? Amen. Uh, really thankful for our worship team, uh, as always, as they crank it up here. Absolutely. Praise God for them. You betcha. Tell you what, that is good stuff. You never know if we're going to have a rock concert or a hoedown or I don't know what it's going to be, but it's always a good time uh, to worship God. Absolutely. Hey, uh, again, if you're new today, if this is your first time here, just want you to know uh, you may feel like you're just a face in the crowd, uh, but I, I just believe that God wants you to know this morning that you are not some random person to Him. You are not an anonymous spectator in the crowd, you are His child. You are his son or you are his daughter, and it is not an accident that he brought you to this place on this snowy uh, January day, and praise God for you. Kind of a crummy day outside, and it's a full house, so praise God for you. Good, that's, that's awesome. Praise God. Um, if, you're, if you've been around for a while, if you've been away or you're just catching up or need a little reminder, we're in this sermon series called Meet Jesus, but it's a part of this bigger theme that we're walking through at Hope this year called Back to the Basics. Turn to your neighbor and say, it's time to go back to the basics. Just turn to your neighbor right now. Back to the basics. And for us, that means we're going back to the life of Jesus. It's Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and John. It's the four Gospels. And, and we've been walking through that. And Gospels uh, literally t telling us Gospel meaning good news and the good news of Jesus Christ. So as we get started this morning, I want to I get your minds moving a little bit. If you're still a little groggy and waking up, I know it's the 915 service and all. Um, I, want, I want you to think about this question. What is the best news that you have heard recently? What is the best news that you have heard recently? Could be uh, somebody got engaged, could be somebody in your family got married, it could be a birth. We've had several of those uh, here. I'm getting to know that wing of the hospital very well, just kind of make my weekly loop. Uh, praise God for a growing church, uh, absolutely. Um, could be that, could be uh, you got a promotion, could be some of you ran up to me this morning and said, I finally got a job, uh, I'm finally working somewhere, praise God for that. Uh, what is the best news that you've heard recently? Could be that the Packers lost last week, if you're a Vikings or Bears fan. <laughs> just saying. See, as a Bears fan, I just snuck that one in there. See, it's just random, right? Turn to the person next to you really quick and just tell them what you're thinking. What's the best news you've heard recently? Doesn't have to be big. Could be small. What's the best news you've heard recently? All right. So as you're thinking about that, hopefully you can come up with something. Uh, there's always something to be thankful for. If you can't think of anything else, uh, stop talking, people. Stop being so relational. You're so, geez, Louise. It's like you like each other or something. Um, even if you can think of nothing else, you know what? You know what? The greatest thing that could happen to any of us is we woke up this morning with breath in our lungs. It's what we just sang in the song this morning, right? God, you give breath, and so we, our very breath is praise back to you, God, so that we can always be thankful for that. But as you're thinking about that, it's important to know, and the reason I asked you that is as opposed to the other Gospels, John, John was written not to give you every single little detail, it doesn't necessarily move as quickly as some of the other Gospels. It doesn't have all some of the other stories that the other Gospels do. But as you read through it and you kind of line them up, John has some amazing stories that we don't get necessarily in the other Gospels. But John's primary reason and his primary theme is that right away, right away as you read in the Gospel of John, is that he gets right to the main attraction. He gets right to the good news. He gets right to the gospel. He gets right to Jesus. The fact that Jesus is the Messiah, the one that we have been waiting for. And he can't wait to tell you. 
That's why John starts off his gospel with this story of John the Baptist that's our reading for today. And so if you're not there already, open up uh, to John chapter 1, and we're actually going to get started uh, in verse 29. Verse 29. So take out your Bible or your phone or whatever, and just don't tweet. If you're going to tweet, tweet about the sermon or whatever. Verse 29, verse 29, and we pick it up. It says, the next day, John, speaking of John the Baptist, we talked about him last week, saw Jesus coming toward him and said, look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This is the one I meant when I said, a man who comes after me has surpassed me because he was before me. And then skip down to verse 34. I have seen and I testify that this is God's chosen one. So just like you did this morning, and just as anybody that has great news, John is saying, everybody, I have this incredible news, and I can't wait to share it. I'm not the main attraction. He's coming. Are you ready for him? He's the main attraction. And let me ask you this. Think back to whatever your good news was. Kind of put yourself in those shoes again. When you first heard that news, Okay, whether it was a birth announcement or a wedding or something great happened in your family with one of your kids or, or something happened with your favorite sports team, whatever that was, when you first heard that news, did you just kind of stay in your house as a hermit for the next four days and not talk to anybody and just keep that to yourself? No, right? Good news is meant to be shared. You can't keep it inside. Isn't half the fun of having good news sharing it, Right? It's not just for yourself, it's for all the people that you can't wait to tell. I remember the night that Tiffany and I got engaged almost six years ago now. We're so old, I know. Um, and, and, and that night, we got engaged. Like, I don't know why I did it this way. I'm just kind of a night guy. But it was like 10 o'clock at night. And so we got home, and, and then I told my parents. And then we had to drive to Marshalltown and tell her parents. And then we're sitting in her parents' living room, and it's like 1 o'clock in the morning. And Tiffany's like, there's more people we have to tell. She had this whole marketing scheme rigged up in her head. It's like, whenever this punk asks the question, I will know how to share this good news. And, and it's like we couldn't wait. We had this whole marketing scheme. I remember a couple years later when we were vacationing in Colorado and we had, had, had hiked to the top of this mountain. It wasn't, it wasn't a 14er, but it was, it was really high, and you could almost see the Continental Divide there in Colorado. It was beautiful, and it was right around sunset. You ever been on top of a mountain? You ever seen a sunset? The best things in life are meant to be shared. And I'm trying to imagine being there all by myself. <laughs> and like we were like two little giddy kids, and we'd, we'd run from one side of the mountain to the other going, wow, wow, honey, look, did you see that? Did you see that? And we'd just go back and forth and back and forth. I'm trying to imagine us just standing up there looking at this beautiful sunset over the Continental Divide going, wow, that's neat. I think I'll just keep it to myself. The best things in life are meant to be shared. That's the point of John's gospel. John is writing this gospel so that you would know that Jesus Christ is the one that we've been waiting for, that he's the best news you could ever hear, better than the Bears that are gonna win the Super Bowl next year, better than any of that. This is the best news that we could ever hear. So, of course, the most natural thing in the world, now that we know this good news, and, and, and for those of us that are following Jesus and you have Jesus living inside of you, the most natural thing that we could do is that we would constantly be inviting people, whether that's to worship or a small group or into your life, that we would constantly be sharing our faith with those that don't know Jesus. Right? Well, maybe not so much. 
I think if we're honest, for a lot of us, when it comes to sharing the good news, this, this whole sharing my faith with somebody, or, or, or the fancy church word we use for that, which is evangelism, to share the good news, it tends to get misunderstood. And it comes with a lot of baggage. And you're like, well, he's John the Baptist. I mean, he's like a Bible hero, and you can do that. And you're like, I'm not the Savior. I'm not Jesus. Well, nobody's asking you to be necessarily. They're just asking you to be yourself. But unfortunately... This idea of sharing our faith, of even inviting somebody to worship, I think at times can come with so much baggage. And what happens, if you can kind of imagine a road uh, up here on the stage running right down the middle, a lot of times when it comes to sharing our faith, when it comes to sharing the good news like John the Baptist, we, we fall into one of two ditches. And, and, and the first ditch uh, over here is that, well, you know, isn't, isn't telling people about Jesus and sharing your faith, isn't it just kind of about shoving your beliefs down their throat and, and taking out your Bible. And, and I don't want to be a Bible beater. And I just, am I going to be one of those Christians that comes across as judgmental or, or hypocritical? I mean, come on, John, isn't that a quick way to ruin a friendship? I mean, what happens if they say no? And it's like, well, you're the awkward coworker that invited them to church, right? I don't want to be that person. And so we kind of fall in, into that ditch. What if they say no? I, I don't want to be a pushy Christian, and so that's one ditch, and obviously we don't want to go in that ditch. And so what we do is that we often tend to swing over and, and we go to the other extreme, and the other ditch on the other side of the road is we, we do nothing. We're, we're silent, because I don't, I don't want to be that Christian, and we just avoid it altogether. And traditionally in the Lutheran church, that's kind of clear that the ditch that some of us have fallen into I heard a recent statistic, and I don't know how uh, accurate this is up, up to the date, but I, I think it's pretty telling. It says that the average Lutheran, yeah, so avoid the ditch. Um, the average Lutheran invites somebody to worship once every 28 years. <laughs> so think about that for a second. That's two, maybe three people in your lifetime, right? Once every almost 30 years. Folks, that's not good. That's not good. I also know that there's hundreds of thousands of people in the greater Des Moines area that live next to us that do not know Jesus and do not have a church home. Now, praise God that this statistic is not necessarily the case for us at Hope, and praise God for you. I met four of you already this morning that says, I brought my friend, and this is their first time here. So praise God for that. That is awesome. We're bucking the system. Absolutely. You bet. But here's the thing. Lutherans, we, we have this amazing this, uh, way that we come at Scripture, and yet we don't always share it. We just kind of keep it to ourselves. And, and, and we, so we have that ditch, and we have that ditch of doing nothing. And I would just say, I hope there's a third way. I believe there's a third way. And it's right here in the story that we have today. It's not rude or judgmental, and it's not silence. It's radical invitation. Let's look back at the scripture. Hop on down to verse 35. You still got that open. Verse 35. The next day, John was there again with two of his disciples. When he saw Jesus passing by, he said, Look, the Lamb of God! When the two disciples heard him say this, they followed Jesus. So obviously, Jesus was much better than John the Baptist there. So, turning around, Jesus saw them following and asked. We talked about this scripture a few months back, and I... This is one of the most hilarious verses in all of Scripture, I think, right? Can you imagine Jesus turning around and going, 
uh, what do you guys want? <laughs> right? I think Jesus had a sense of humor, right? He's not, he's not being kind of a, a, a jerk here, you know, what do you guys want, right? He's asking you what, do you, what do you want? And they said, Rabbi, where are you staying? Now, Jesus is the son of God. He's got a busy schedule. He's got a lot of people to save. He's got a lot of people to heal, right? And watch how Jesus responds. He says, come and you will see. Come and see. Now, think about it. Here's some potential converts for Jesus. So which ditch is Jesus going to fall into? Does Jesus say, if you died tonight, do you think that you would go to heaven or hell? Okay, it's good to ask that question, to know where we're spending eternity, but rarely leads to life change. But Jesus doesn't say silent either. He does neither. He simply says, hey, why don't you guys come hang out with me for a while? There's nothing more important than me sharing my life with you. Why don't you just come hang out with me for a while? Just be with me. No, no pressure, no passiveness, just an authentic invitation to relationship. So simple, so simple, and it's right there in the first chapter of John, and yet we make it so complicated at times. So I want to talk about some barriers that I think that hopefully you can resonate with this, some barriers that I think trip us all up. When we're trying to live out what we see John the Baptist doing, and then when Jesus starts his ministry here, we, we try to live that out. But what are some barriers that get in the way? And I think the first one is simply this. We're not sure it's worth it. Can we just be honest this morning? I don't know if we all think it's necessarily worth it. I mean, what, what, it, it, I mean if the whole perception of church, if, if your perception of inviting somebody, uh, and, and I think what a lot of people have, but if you're doing the inviting and your perception of church is to a service once a week where a pastor is going to tell you uh, how bad and how sinful you are and, and just give you more things to feel guilty about, or the invitation is come to my small group and, and, and where you'll be forced to share things that you're uncomfortable with and you'll be shamed for how much you don't know. <laughs> if that's our perception, no wonder we don't invite. No wonder we don't invite. I wouldn't want to be invited to that. What a drag. And so I just want to ask you, have we forgotten what we're inviting people into? John the Baptist is stoked. He can't wait to have people that were following him follow Jesus. He can't wait to share. When Jesus said, come and see, when Jesus said to his early disciples, and as we go throughout the Gospels, when Jesus says, follow me, it is not primarily, hear me say this, it is not primarily an invitation to be a better or moral person. It is not primarily an invitation to step into a classroom for Bible study, although that's well and good. It was an invitation to a full-time, all-in, new kind of life, reoriented around living for things that will actually last to bring you the satisfaction that your heart longs for. Now that's worth inviting people to, amen? That's worth making an invitation for some of us, the first step for you today in becoming a person of radical invitation is letting yourself be overwhelmed by the grace of God all over again. What's so good about the good news? I heard this quote as I was, uh, as people call it, in the Twitter world uh, this week, uh, trying to be as hip as I can. Uh, and I just came across this quote from a Christian author, and it says this. It's up on the screen. Get up in the morning and look at the world in a way that takes nothing for granted. Everything is phenomenal. Everything is incredible. Never treat life casually. To be spiritual, to be connected with Jesus is to be amazed. 
I love how, I love how uh, David, King David says it in, in Psalm 51. He says, restore to me the joy of your salvation. You have joy in your life? I'm not talking about happiness. Happiness comes and goes and is based on your circumstances. I'm talking about joy. When's the last time you were amazed at the gospel? When's the last time you were just amazed at who Jesus is? When's the last time you just sat in the presence of God and had joy at the very fact that the God of the universe knows your name? He knows your name this morning. Be amazed all over again. Receive that. Sit in that this morning. God loves you. He loves you so much, and he sent his one and only son, Jesus Christ, so that you would have no doubt, that you would have no doubt this morning that you are loved. Don't go any further. Stay there. If that's you, if you just need to receive that, stay there. Stay there. Say, God, God I, want, I want you to remind me of that every single day. But if we, if we go on and if we learn anything from the early followers of Jesus, we, we don't necessarily stay there forever. It said inviting others to know Jesus, should I invite people or should I not invite people, wasn't even a question. There was no doubt in their minds. They just couldn't help it. Look back at John 1. Now look at verse 40 as we're working our way through this. Andrew, Simon's Peter brother, was one of the two who heard that John, what John had said about following Jesus. Verse 41, the first thing Andrew did was to find his brother Simon and tell him, we have found the Messiah, that is, the Christ, and he brought him to Jesus. It was the first thing Andrew did after meeting Jesus. Not after he got all his theology figured out, that's important. Not after he'd memorized half the Bible, that could be important too. Not after he'd been a regular attender at church for five years, then he started to invite what I love is for some of you that I know, you've been coming for like two months and you've already invited like 10 people. Praise God for that. You don't have to wait to start inviting. Andrew just met Jesus. And he says, come on, everybody. You got to meet. He grabs his brother for pity's sake. I mean, come on, let's go. He didn't wait until he had all the answers. He couldn't help but share. And notice this, that Andrew didn't point his brother to himself. He pointed him to Jesus. And that kind of leads to the second barrier, I think, that gets in the way of us sharing the good news with others is it's simply this. I don't even know what I would say. I, I, I don't, Pastor John, I don't even know what I would do. I think if I tried to invite somebody to worship or, or share my faith, I think it would just, blah, it would just come out all awkward and I, and I wouldn't know what to say. And maybe some of you have been there before and you've been in that moment where it's just, oh, my, my coworker's talking to me about church or somebody brought up faith and should I say something or not? And it kind of comes out as a jumbled mesh and you end up talking about weird things. And maybe, maybe you can identify with our friend, Mike, as we re revisit our favorite friends, the skit guys. See if you can identify with these guys. Let's take a look. I'll be inside in a minute. I'm going to say hey to Joe. Hey, Joe. Hey, Mike. Flower beds are looking good, neighbor. Yep. You guys should get back from church. Ah, yeah, yeah. Just been at the church house. I wonder why he never invites me to church. I mean, I'd go if he asked me to go, but this is the way it is. I'm out in my front yard when he comes home from church. It's always so awkward. It's so awkward. 
And I'm so hungry. Ugh. I think my wife made goulash. I love goulash. Oh, maybe Joe would like some goulash for lunch. Hey, Joe. Here comes the invitation to church. Yeah? You wanna come over sure, for Sure, I'd goulash? love to go to church with you. <laughs> what'd you just say? What'd you just say? No, what? No, what'd you say? What'd no, you what say? You, say? you said something about God. God, God. Goo. 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 Goulash. Goulash? Goulash. It's a... You're having goulash at your church? No. No, at my house. You're having... You're inviting me over for goulash? Yeah. At your... Goulash. Yeah, who doesn't like goulash? I like some goulash. Yeah, sign me up. Goulash. <laughs> I'll check and make sure we have enough. I see you walking away. <laughs> That's it. That's all you need to know. That is John chapter 1 in a nutshell, right? Goulash. Don't do it. Like, we, are, we as Christians sometimes are the worst, aren't we? We're just so awkward. Goulash, right? What, what's up with that? And we laugh, and, and, and I've watched that a few times, and I laugh every time. And then, and then I started to look at it a little bit deeper, and I thought to myself, I wonder if some people are just waiting for the invitation. I just imagine Jesus' early disciples, the fishermen, and they're sitting there and going, well, this is life. This is the way it's always going to be. Nothing ever happens around this beach. I wonder if some people, I wonder if some people like Joe are just waiting for the invitation. No, not everybody's ready for that, but I, I, I think what Joe, the guy in the hat, I think what he was looking for was somebody that was normal. Was somebody that was real. What if Christians had the reputation for being the most real people you've ever met? The most authentic people you've ever met, even when it comes to sharing about goo, God, God, faith, things, Jesus, you know, any of that. I think people are looking for a place to belong. I think people are looking for a place to find purpose. I think that's why some of you are here. I hope it is. Donor holes aren't that good. But when it comes to church, people are so used to getting ready for a debate or, or to tell you all the ways, well, the church is hypocritical and Christians, I do this. And so, you know what I've just started doing? I just start telling people stories. I just start telling people stories about the marriage a few months that got restored. I just start telling people about the addict that's a part of our, well, the former addict that's a part of our community that's been sober and is getting healing and recovery. I start talking about the young couple that lost their baby, and yet in the midst of that, were surrounded by their small group. I just start telling stories. I, I, I talk about the, the businessman that went from success to significance, the, uh, a well-off, well-to-do businessman who decided, I don't have any significance in my life, and I'm going to start mentoring younger men and pouring into their lives. I just start telling stories. Transformation, it's really hard for people to argue with life change. It's really hard for people to have a theological debate with you about somebody who just got their life turned around by Jesus. And in some way, I think that's what everybody's looking for. I'm, you guys, I remember when we first started Hope Des Moines, formal, the artist formerly known as City Branch. I, 
I would go around and I would meet people in the grocery store and I would meet people in coffee shops. I just hung out, smelled like coffee all day long. And I would have the most awkward conversations with people because I was trying to be the new, hip, cool pastor in town, you know, hope starting a satellite, you know, at Hubble and we're meeting in a gym and it's going to be cool and we're going to be missional and incarnational and contemporary and have dynamic teaching and, and, and stuff for the whole family and you should come and check it out because it's awesome. And people were like, what? What are you talking about? And God started to change some things in my heart, and, and, and I just started thinking about that, and, and God was teaching me humility, and I was just talking to somebody the other week, and they asked about the church, and said, just tell me about Hope Des Moines. I just I started to get a little verklempt, and I just said, you know what? I just love these people. This is the, this is the best group of people in the world. I, there's nothing else that I'd rather do. I, I love worshiping with them. I love digging into God's word with them. I love, I love hanging out. I don't love, but it's, it's a part of life. Uh, funerals and weddings and baptisms and, 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 and births and, and all these things. I just love doing life with people. And I just really love getting a front row seat to watch God change their lives. And then I just said, you know, you should be a part of this. I, I, I was telling my friend, I, I'd love for you to just come and hang with us sometime. That'd be, that'd be awesome. We'd, I'd just love to see you just get a first-hand look at our community. They're great. And it was the most real, authentic thing. We both just sat there, and he like looked at me like, okay, pastor, I'm ready for the sales pitch. I'm like, there's no sales pitch. That's it. I just love these people, and Jesus is incredible, and you should check it out. I didn't go to seminary to learn that. You can do that. You can do that probably better than I can. Turns out the more you read the Gospels, Jesus wasn't really inter interested in arguing with people and beating them over the head. Jesus wasn't really interested in trying to convince people or even trying to be flashy. Or he wasn't even interested in trying to make it easy for people. He was just interested in people. He was interested in slowing down and hearing their story. Go back to the, go back to the scripture again today. Verse 39. So they went and saw where he was staying. And they spent that day with him. It was about four o'clock in the afternoon. How would you feel if you had just spent the day with Jesus? Probably like a million bucks, right? You know what one of the most difficult things for us in culture today is time? It's really hard to make time for people. We're so busy. And here's Jesus, God, the Son of God, <laughs> Here's Jesus, and he says, the most important thing I could do is drop everything I'm doing right now and have you come over to my house, which means that he invited them into his house, which means they probably had a meal together, which in those days meant close friendship. So often we think that an invitation to somebody has to be somebody, you need to give your life to Jesus right now, or you need to come to worship this Sunday, and if not, I'm never talking to you again. Sometimes it takes time. Sometimes the invitation is maybe to coffee. Sometimes the invitation is maybe to dinner at your house. Maybe it's a, a play date with the kids. Sometimes in core, and this will be a preview for those of you that are in core uh, right now. Praise God, by the way, we had our core retreat this past weekend from all the campuses, over 200 people at the core retreat. So give God praise for that. That's awesome. Absolutely. 
But something we talk about in core is how do we authentically share our faith? And, and, and an easy way to remember that, sometimes acronyms can help with that. Write this down if you're taking notes. And if not, just jog it away in your memory there. B-L-E-S-S. What's that spell? Bless. bless. Who can I bless this week? B-L-E-S-S. B, begin with prayer. L, listen. E, my favorite one, eat with people, not by yourself. S, serve. And the last S, story. Just remember that. Do one of those every single day with somebody that doesn't know Jesus. B-L-E-S-S, begin with prayer. Listen a lot. Eat with people. Serve people. And when the time is right, share your story. And when it's time, be bold. I'm not saying don't come out and never share your faith. When it's time, go. Preach it. Always be prepared, Scripture says, to give a hope for the, re the reason that you have hope. B-L-E-S-S. -S. Instead of, who am I going to convince this week because they're my project? It's, who am I going to bless this week because God has this wild and crazy love for them? That's the theme of John 1. We can't wait to share with you the good news. Sometimes I wonder if for some of you here, what if somebody wouldn't have invited you? Where would you be? And again, it's not as a guilt trip. It's, it's an opportunity. Think about that. The opportunity to change the trajectory of somebody's life, and it starts with one step. And, and, and we get to this last barrier, and I know it's easy, and the, the, the elephant in the room, and you go to different Hope's campuses, and I think the last barrier to sharing our faith is simply this. You look around today, and you just kind of say, I don't think we have any more room. I go to every one of Hope's campuses. It seems like they're always full. Gee whiz, you guys must have it rough. I, I, don't, I don't know if I really want to invite anybody because they might have to sit in the lobby and, and, and we're growing so much and hope's a big church and sometimes there's not room. Do we really need to keep inviting? Don't we have enough people already? One of our uh, leaders sent me an email a while back, a couple weeks ago, and they were sitting back there where some of you are up in the lobby against the back wall outside the women's restroom, which is, I know is prime seating. Uh, <laughs> back there, and they're stuffed in the back, and, and of all the, the, the ideas that could be running through their mind and their attitude, they sent me this email. They said, you know, John, it's a great day when you're sitting in the lobby and overflow seating at your church. What a great problem to have. God is moving. All the more reason to keep inviting. And I sent back, amen, sister. <laughs> Of all the attitudes that we could have, oh, there's too many people here and I can't find a parking spot. I have to sit in the lobby and, and the donut holes are gone and all this stuff. Praise God that there's people here. Never stop inviting. There are hundreds and thousands of people that live around us that don't know Jesus or that don't have a church home. And until that's not the case, we will not stop inviting. Amen? Amen. We don't stop inviting. That's what we're doing here. And she understands, what I love about this leader is she understands the gospel. She understands it's about the mission, which is sharing God's love with as many people as we can. And we'll leave the results up to him, no matter how small it is or medium-sized it is or bigger that it is. The church is God's idea, which means he gets to decide how big or small it is, not us. That's the most important thing, is sharing his love. It's not our comfort. It's not our convenience. And so my question for you is, as we enter into this new year together, above all else, are you on board with the mission? 
of reaching out to the world around us with the everlasting love of Jesus Christ. Because you know what? The worship style might change. The coffee may get better or worse. I can't tell you. Uh, There may be people sitting up there at some point. Hope may start more satellites. We probably will start more satellites. Hope Jamaica is still an option for those of you that are interested (laughs) in that, right? Things are going to change. Where you park is going to change. The songs we sing are going to change. What we teach about might change. All these things are going to change. The one thing that's not going to change is the mission. And my question for you is, are you on board with that above all else? And we're going to keep inviting people, and we're going to keep inviting people, and we're going to try things, and we're going to do ministries, and we're going to do events now that we're downtown. We're going to try all sorts of things, and some of them may flop, and some of them may be weird, and some may be awkward, and we're going to keep trying because the mission's worth it. And if you're on board with that bus, that's where the bus is going, to invite as many people as possible to know Jesus Christ. Are you on board with that mission? That's the mission of Jesus. That's the mission of John chapter 1. So why is this whole inviting people thing such a big deal? And I'll just leave it at this. Who invited you? Who invited you? Who invited you? Never underestimate the power of an invitation. So I thought I would end uh, today with a story that happened to me actually just a few weeks ago about something that I know a lot about, and that's hockey. Which, if you know me, that is an absolute lie. I know nothing about hockey, except it's kind of fun when they take the gloves off and fight and everything like that, and then, you know, we move on. But a couple weeks ago, I found myself with a friend. Uh, my, my wife, Tiffany, and I went up to, to Minneapolis-St. Paul to visit a couple, a friend of ours, and they have season tickets to the Minnesota Wild. Are there any hockey fans out there? Yeah, that's why I thought. Four of you in Iowa. That's great. And so we're, we're going to the Minnesota Wild hockey game, and, and first of all, speaking of invitation, it was great to get invited, and he's got season tickets. So we're sitting way up there. Not, not exactly the nosebleed section, but we're sitting way up there. So the dudes are having a, a dude's night out. And, and so off we go. And this is a huge challenge for me because I don't know anything about hockey, but being there for 10 minutes in the first period, it is very clear. Minnesotans love their hockey. Yeah? Yeah, right? They love their hockey. Everybody's stoked. They're decked out. The place is packed. They've got, everybody's got Minnesota Wild jerseys on. Everybody's all excited. The place is packed. And so I don't know why this always happens to me at sporting events, but I'm hanging out and I'm watching the game and I'm a sports guy and I'm focused on that. But out of the corner of my eye, I always, I always catch people. I do people watching. And I catch this father and son and they're in these matching Minnesota Wild hockey jerseys. And they're sitting up even way above us. And I asked my buddy, I said, what are those seats? He said, those are a different kind of general admission. They're, they're, they're a lot less uh, expensive. And so that's the way they get younger families here and then get them connected. And I said, oh, that's so cool. He's like, yeah, they wouldn't be able to come otherwise because these tickets are so expensive. And I don't know why, but I just noticed them and I'm, and I'm watching them and, and I'm watching the little boy who's clearly in love with the Minnesota Wild. Every play, he's just grabbing his daddy's jersey. Daddy, 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 look, look, look. And then his favorite player and his other favorite player and his 10th favorite player and everything's great. And they're standing up and down and they're cheering and they're sharing a popcorn together. And it's awesome. A few minutes later, I'm watching the game and and from right next to the rink, this middle-aged man in a business suit looks really put together, stands up and he's got a couple tickets in his hand. And he walks up all the way up to where we are, which is pretty high up. And he walks up, he walks right past us. I'm like, where is he going? 
what is he doing? He had rinkside seats down here. Walks all the way up past us, goes all the way up into the nosebleed section where this father and son are sitting, I kid you not, and walks right up to them and he squats down by the little boy. And out of his back pocket, he reaches out. And I, I can't tell what it is at first, and then it's tickets. He pulls out two tickets and he hands them to the boy and he says a little something and the dad's eyes get really big and I think I could make out what the boy said. It was, what? <laughs> what? And the little boy pops up and goes like this and starts pulling on his daddy's jersey. And the businessman just gives him the tickets and disappears and he walks away and I see the father and son walk all the way down right next to the rink where that guy was sitting. And I asked my buddy, I said, have you seen that before? He said, yeah, this guy does that from time to time. Not every game, but it's this, this pretty wealthy businessman. And, and he, it's his joy to give his tickets away and invite people down to sit right there. And so, of course, I don't even care about the hockey game anymore. I'm just losing it because I have a son and I want to do this with him Sunday. And they're sitting right next there. And the little boy for the rest of the game, his face is just pressed up against the glass in the rink. And he is just loving it. It is the greatest day of his life. And they're jumping up and down and hugging each other and, and, and all these things and, and hugging. And I asked my buddy, I said, did you see that? I said, that is the coolest thing I have ever seen in my life. I mean, for that guy, it's like, oh, whatever. But for that kid, it was the experience of a lifetime. Never underestimate the power of an invitation. Never underestimate the power of one simple invitation. John the Baptist, look, behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. I so desperately want you to know him. I so desperately want you to meet him. And I think about that businessman to think if he would have kept it to himself. The best news, the best news is meant to be shared. Who are you going to invite this week? Maybe it's to worship next week. Maybe it's that men's 33 group that starts. Maybe it's that mom's group on Tuesday morning. Maybe it's the women's group on Tuesday night. Who are you going to invite this week. Maybe it's just for coffee. Maybe it's into your living room. Maybe it's your dinner table. Who will you bless, B-L-E-S-S, this week? The best things in life are meant to be shared. Now that you've come to church, it's time to go be the church. Amen? Amen. Let's stand. Let's pray together.